Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good morning, everyone. I'm sorry for getting on here about, I think about five minutes. <laughs> uh, after I was supposed to get on, I had some technical difficulties. It does happen occasionally uh, when you're communicating, whether it's video or audio. So I apologize for that. And I, I think um, in the archives it'll start, the program will start at the beginning anyway. So, again, I apologize for that. Anyway, we're going to talk about a topic that God is leading me to talk about here because I'm really getting sick and tired of people getting deceived by so-called prophets or prophetess. And they're saying that God spoke to them and they said this or that and and. My experiences with it uh, is, is that whenever they said that something's going to happen and didn't happen or something already happened and they say that the Lord already spoke to them about this and, and so forth, so we're supposed to assume that's the reason why it happened because the Lord spoke to them. So anyway, I'm going to get into this, and I'm hoping that you pay attention to God's words and what God's words say about dreams because he does have something to say about it is one of the main tools that the devil uses to deceive people. And I'm hoping that uh, you submit yourself and do the following in Isaiah, if you if you really are a believer, that you do the following. Now, this program may go over. It may take an hour for me to do this. I set it for 45 minutes. So uh, if it does, then you can listen to the entirety of this program in the archives. So let's start with Isaiah 66, verse 2. It says, for all these things have my hand made, and all those things have been, says the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit, and trembles at my word. So God primarily speaks to us, ladies and gentlemen, through his word. Occasionally he'll give a prophet or a prophetess a dream or a vision. He's not going to speak to you like he would speak to Moses. Uh, let's go to, um, we, we have to get the facts here. We've got to stop assuming things, uh, and because somebody has a title of a doctor or whatever, that they are always writing what they say according to the Bible. So we have to, to realize the deception of the devil. He can appear as an angel of light in Second Corinthians chapter 11. It states that, and so can his ministers, his servants, and he has many of them, ladies and gentlemen. It's more of Hasatan's or the devil's uh, ministers in this world than they are God's true ministers. Uh, Numbers chapter 12, verse 6 states plainly, 
how he works with prophets and prophetess. Uh, Numbers 12, verse 6, and he said, Hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, if, and that's a condition, if, I, the Lord, will make himself known unto him in a vision and will speak unto him in a dream. In verse 7, my servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in all my house. In verse 8, with him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in dark speeches, and the similitude of the Lord shall he behold, or the face, or um, his body, all right, his likeness. Wherefore then, were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moshe? Or Moshe. All right, so that's the way, if there is a prophet, that's the way he would speak to a prophet. And he would speak through a dream or a vision. But many people, they get off track when someone claims to be a prophet or a prophetess. And they automatically assume, oh, they must be because they said this. And then they hear something. And a lot of times these, these false prophets and prophetess, they'll say something that will put fear into you. Fear for your life, fear for your, for your soul. And then that, of course, influences that individual to believe what this person says, that it may come to pass. And, you know, I'm going to go over today that the spirit, if you do have the spirit of God, it should not be a spirit of being timid. Uh, timid means to show a lack of courage, easily frightened. And so if you find yourself doing that, you've got to question whether or not you have the spirit of God in you like you should. Because the spirit of God is not a spirit of fear. It's a spirit of courage. And so I'm going to prove that to you uh, today. And if someone is, is causing you to be afraid like that, uh, that is certainly a sign that that person is not of God. And so anyway, um, I, I'm going to get, get, get into that more. However, let's understand how our people are and how we accept the Word of God. Uh, Isaiah chapter 30, in, in terms of prophecy, Isaiah chapter 30 yeah, I know this program is going to go more than 45 minutes, so uh, it's, it's going to, the rest is going to have to be in the archives. Isaiah chapter 30. And this is going to be a very important program because the Master stated in Matthew 24, there's going to be many, many false prophets and teachers in the end times, ladies and gentlemen. And, and if he's saying that, you need to pay attention to what I'm telling you here. And just don't take my word for it. Check it with the Scriptures. You know, I am a true um, preacher of God, a, a true teacher, and you know I, I don't, I'm not impeccable. I make a few errors, but whenever I make those errors, I correct those errors when they are brought to my attention. But I do the best I can to speak, and communicate God's message by using His words as He instructs any true teacher. Isaiah 30 verse 8 to 13. Isaiah 30 verse 8 to 13. Now go, write it before them in a table, and note it in a book. And this is a prophecy that there would be a Bible, that it may be for the time to come forever and ever. This is certainly the 21st century. Verse 9, that this is a rebellious people, lying children. Now, I, I want to stop at that one phrase there. He states that the majority of Israel, whoever they are, are lying children. I, I want you to, again, seriously think about that. He states that our people, again, the majority of them are lying children. And I know you know what lying is, but you know I'm just going to give you the, the, the Hebrew of that. Faithless. So that's even taking it a bit further. It states that 
most of the children of Israel today who consist today of the United States, the, the, the British Commonwealth of Nations, including Canada, the countries in Northwestern Europe, Austria, not Austria, I always making this mistake, Austria, Australia, not Austria. Austria is a linked with uh, the German people. Um, Australia, New Zealand, and South Africa. Of course, anyone that believes in Yeshua Messiah, uh, they are certainly grafting themselves under the commonwealth of Israel. But Israel certainly consists geographically of those nations today and also of people that are generally Christians. Uh, They are associated with them. So, getting back to the Hebrew for lying in this context, it means faithless. Faithless children. Faithless children. Children that will not hear the, the law of God. And faith certainly requires courage, ladies and gentlemen. And so our people, that's the way our people are today. And it states that, here's another significant statement, that they won't hear Torah of God. They, they don't want to hear the words of God. That's the way our people are today. But they'll, they'll listen to someone else that combines the elements of capitalism, money. They combine also the elements of uh, cinema, movies, Hollywood, and entertainment. And so what biblical teachings have um, evolved into today, the majority, they combine all those elements. And that, unfortunately, is get is what gets people's attention. They have to see something. But what does the Bible say about faith, ladies and gentlemen? What does it say about faith? Second Corinthians 5, verse 7. It states, Plainly, for we walk by faith. We do our halakha or the way that we prove the guys that, that we obey him by faith, not by sight. So we don't have to see something to understand the words of God. Matter of fact, in Romans chapter um, 10, Romans chapter 10, it says, How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how Shall they believe in him whom they have not heard, and how should they hear without a preacher? So that must be a preacher. I'm hearing people spewing false doctrine to me recently that, oh, I, the Holy Spirit is going to talk to me. I just heard recently this one woman, oh, I, I don't check into that. God speaks to me. you know. And God speaks to you, ladies and gentlemen, most of the time through the scriptures. That's how he speaks to you. Uh, he's not going to speak to you often, just directly. That doesn't happen too often. Uh, and we need to understand that Romans, and he does it through a preacher. Romans ten verse fifteen. And how shall they preach? And that preacher goes by the words of God. They or they should, except they be sent, as it is written. How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Verse sixteen. But they have not all obeyed the gospel or the good news. For Isaiah said, Lord, who have believed in our report. So this is how you really learn, ladies and gentlemen. Verse 17, the word of God. So then faith comes by hearing. Does it say by seeing? Do you have to look at a video to learn? No. It says, so then faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. And so this backs up audio teachings 100%, ladies and gentlemen. There's nothing wrong with audio teachings. You need to get into the habit of listening. You know, listening to what I'm saying. 
focusing and concentrating on this, and that's what audio teachings do. They help you to focus. And if you really pay attention, you really will learn something through audio teachings, ladies and gentlemen. Not to say that all audio teachings are correct, but you can really learn based on the scripture in Romans 10, verse 17, by really listening and, and, and training yourself to concentrate on this. I'm going to go through the history. I have a book that I'm going to read, and, and it goes through the history of how education has evolved in this country. And I'm going to certainly study how video has been incorporated to the educational system. But anyway, uh, getting back to the point I'm making here. So Isaiah 30, verse, uh, let's go back to Isaiah 30, verse 8. And so we have a rebellious people today. They're lying and faithless children. They do not want to hear the words of God, the majority of our people. What do you want to realize it or not? Verse 10. Which say to the seers, see not unto the prophets, prophesy not unto this right thing, speak unto the smooth things. You know, and let's, let's get the, the basic, uh, and this is a good translation to get if you want it. 1965 Bible in basic English, it kind of breaks things down. Because sometimes the King James Version is kind of difficult to deal with. So anyway, Isaiah 30, verse 8 says, Now go, put it in writing before them on a board and make it in a record of it in a book, which is, of course, the Bible today, so that it may be for the future a witness for all time to come. Verse 9, For they are uncontrolled people, false-hearted or faithless, who will not give ear to the teaching of the Lord. And I experience this. I, I preach the truth out the Bible, and the majority of people, even those that claim they're believers, they get upset. They don't want to hear it. Our people have a track record of that, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, hold your place here. And I, and I preach this truth, and, and, and people just reject it. And they can reject it all they want. It's the truth. Nonetheless, it's the truth. Um, Acts chapter 7, Stephen, he got stoned for saying this. <laughs> Acts chapter 7, unfortunately, he got stoned. I look forward to meeting him one day because, man, was he an example. He was such so much an example that his face shone like an angel. Acts chapter 7, verse 51 in the um, Bible and basic English version said, You whose hearts are hard and whose ears are shut, fellow Jewish brethren, about this. Who should have known better? You are ever working against the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets was not cruelly attacked by your fathers? And they put to death those who gave them the news of the coming of the upright one whom you have now given up and put to death. You, to whom the Torah was given as it was ordered by angels and who have not kept it. And so this only confirms what the prophet Isaiah stated in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 8. Uh, actually, verse 9. For they are uncontrolled people, false-hearted, who will not give ear to the teaching of, of the Messiah and of the Lord, who say to the seers, See not unto the prophets, do not give us the word of what is true, but say false things to give us pleasure. And that's what it's all about in America. That's what it's all about uh, in, in the Western nations especially. We want pleasure. We want to feel good. We want to be happy. We want to be, and there's nothing wrong with being happy. There's nothing wrong with being joyful. But but being happy involves keeping the commandments, ladies and gentlemen. That's what's going to make you really happy. And, and, and reading the word of God. Verse 11, get out of the good way, turning from the right road. Do not keep the Holy One of Israel before our minds. And so that's 
the majority of our people are influenced by entertainment and, and influenced by what they see, which is one of the lusts of the flesh that we need to avoid. Uh, that's found in First John, chapter two, and it, we, we we have the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. What I got, I got this, I got that. You don't have what I have, you know, and and that, that's that's what it is. That's what we're influenced by. Verse eleven. Get out of the good way, turning from the right road. Do not keep the Holy One of Israel before our minds. And then verse 12, it states in Isaiah chapter 3, For this cause the Holy One of Israel says, Because you will not give ear to this word, and are looking for help in ways of deceit and evil. And see, that's what the majority of people who listen to these so-called prophets and prophetess or people that say this could happen, this that could happen. And it could, but I, you know, you, you shouldn't, Focus so much on that to the point of where you get yourself having a different type of spirit, which is not of God, but of the devil, the spirit of, of timid, being timid, and the, the spirit of not having courage. Uh, because you will not give ear to this word and are looking for help in ways of deceit and evil and are putting your hope in them. And he says, this sin will be to you like a crack in a high wall, causing its fall suddenly and in the minute. And this is a warning for people who... Listen to so-called prophets and prophetess or people that said this could happen, that can happen, and they focus, you know, like the blood red moons, which is not a blood red moon, by the way, if you've ever seen it, it looks orange. Uh, when, when you when you get wrapped up into this stuff, if your whole theology is based on that, then you are not really living the kind of life that, that Yah expects you to live or God expects you to live, ladies and gentlemen. And so that is the truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God. And see, our people in these end times are, and, and Shaul wrote to Timothy about this. He prophesied as well as an apostle. He stated in Second Timothy 4, verse 1, I give you orders before Yah and Yeshua Messiah, who will be the judge of the living and the dead, and by his revelation in this kingdom, by be preaching the word at all times. And this is an order for any person like myself or a minister to be preaching the word at all times in every place, make protests, Say sharp words, give comfort with long waiting and teaching. For the time, when this is the reason why, for the time will come when they will not take the true teaching, and that time has arrived, certainly. But moved by their desires, their feelings, or their emotions, they will get for themselves a great number of teachers for the pleasure of hearing them. Not the, not, not for the pleasure of hearing the truth, but to just the pleasure of hearing them. It's entertainment. Verse 4, and shutting their ears to what is true, will be turned away to believe in foolish stories. And there's so many foolish stories out there over the Internet, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and it was highly advised not to pay attention to that. You need to pay attention to what God says in his word. Verse 5, but be self-controlled in all things. Do without comfort. And see, that's the problem, too. People don't want to suffer. They don't want to suffer for the word of God. Go on preaching the good news, completing the work which has been given unto you. And so, again, God has prophesied through the Apostle Shaul or Paul. And it only confirms Isaiah 30, verse 8 to 13 again, that things will get to this point. And 2 Thessalonians 2 tells us that God will send strong delusion. He will send strong delusion. And it's coming from God to test you. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. He says, Now as to the coming of the Messiah, Yeshua Messiah, and people are there all 
they think that you know, number one is the great false teaching is going around in America today and and, and other Western nations uh, who believe this is that people want to be taken up before the, the tribulation, escape the problems, escape the suffering which God says we all must go through. Even when you're taken into the wilderness, there's going to be difficulty, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I know that because First uh, Corinthians chapter ten says that the experience that the people went through. Uh, under Moses in the wilderness is similar to the, to the experience that those who will escape to a place of safety will experience today. Uh, that If you study that, the first 10, 11, 12 verses, it reveals that to you plainly. In First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1 to, I think it's 1 to 11 and 1 to 12. Anyway, Second Thessalonians 2, verse 1. Now as the coming of, of the Messiah, Yeshua Messiah, and our meeting with him, it is our desire, my brothers, Verse 2, that you may not be moved in mind or troubled by spirit. Here we go again. And this reminds me of Matthew chapter 24 when the Messiah stated plainly not to be troubled when you hear rumors of wars and wars. Don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. That's what he's telling you. That you may not be moved in mind or troubled by spirit. If you are, it's not the spirit of God working in you. Or by a word or by a letter as from us with the suggestion that the day of the Lord is even now come. Verse 3. Give no belief to false words, because there will be first a falling away from the faith, and certainly this homosexuality. Uh, the United States, the chief of the nations, as the Bible calls them, uh, they have certainly initiated this falling away. But the falling away has not reached its full propensity where the, the tribulation will begin, ladies and gentlemen. That is a fact, because there's no temple right now. There has to be a temple built, an altar and that has not occurred yet. And so we need to cool out and stop listening to all this false prophecy that these people are spewing just to make money off of you. All right. So, And the revelation in the man of sin, the son of destruction. Now, I'm clarifying the Bible studies. That I, I, you know, I did not state that, oh, yeah, sure, the transgression certainly has reached the full. But that doesn't mean the tribulation has begun yet, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know when God is going to judge this nation for what has occurred. All right, I, you know, he has not revealed that to me through the scriptures. And I know there's people claiming that he has revealed that, and there are, you know, there's still prophets and prophetess, but we have to understand how we can use the God to determine whether they are they are a true prophet or a prophetess, and I'm going to get into that today. Verse 5, have you no memory of what I said when I was with you, giving you word of these things? All right, so... He says, and now it is clear to you that what is keeping back to his revelation until the time comes for him to be seen. The time has not come yet for the anti-Messiah to be seen, ladies and gentlemen. That time will come. When that time comes, that's when we'll be so near the tribulation. Verse 7, for the secret of evil is even now at work. It was even now, the, the, secret, of, uh, the, the, the secret work of anti-Messiah was even at work back then. But there is one who is keeping back the evil till he is taken out of the way. Verse eight, and when, and when, and then, well, and this is other words, some some spiritual force is is holding the devil back, but he's going to be taken away. Many people think it's Michael the Archangel. We don't know, but it's something that's restraining the devil from really using a lot of his power. And of course, God is restraining him right now. Verse eight, and and then will come the revelation of that evil one who the Messiah will put to death with the breath of his mouth and give to destruction by the revelation of his coming. Even the one whose coming is marked by the working of Hasatan, or the devil, with all power and signs and false 
wonders. And so that, that's another thing, ladies and gentlemen. The devil is capable and his ministers of giving you false signs that they are true ministers of God. And, you know, the Messiah talks so many times, and the Bible talks so many times about false prophecy and false teachings, and people just ignore that. And some character that looks cute comes along and doctor this and doctor that and, and so forth, and, 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 and they just believe that without verifying it from the Bible. Because they focus, they believe, they believe this, this faith is by sight. The Bible says the faith is not by sight, it's by what? It's certainly not by sight. So, uh, the, having the true faith certainly is not by sight. Uh, we, we walk by faith. In, in Hebrews 11 verse 1 it says, faith is the evidence of things not seen, not and people, unfortunately, the lust of the eyes gets a hold of them, and which is not of God, by the way. And people focus so much on that, what they can see, instead of just taking God's words for what they are. But anyway, verse 10, And with every deceit of wrongdoing among those whose fate is destruction, because they were quite without the love of the truth, true faith by which they might have salvation. And for this cause, God will give them up to the power of deceit, and they will put their faith in what is false. And many people are doing that today in the, in the false rapture theory of uh, I'm going to be taken up before the tribulation and a lot of other stuff. Oh, the Lord spoke to me, and there's going to be this or that and, and, and all that. And, you know, you know, I'm not saying that there aren't prophets and prophetess, but there's certain criteria you have to look for. And we're going to get into that today. Verse 12, so that they all may be judged who had no faith in what is true, but took pleasure in evil. And so in verse 13, it says, the second Thessalonians chapter 2, but it is right for us to give praise to God at all times for you, brothers, loved by the Lord, because it was the purpose of God from the first that you might have salvation, being made holy by the Spirit and by faith in what is true. And so the Bible tells us, ladies and gentlemen, that we need to pay attention to what the prophets said. And there's too much today of going by people's faulty interpretation of the scriptures uh, instead of going by what the, the, the prophets in the Bible have stated. And it states here in Second Peter chapter 1, verse 19, it says, We have also a more sure word of prophecy. We, the apostles and the prophets, the foundation, the scriptures, where you do well that you take heed, and many people are not taking heed to what the Bible is plainly saying about these end times. People take the scripture in Amos 3 that he reveals his, his secret unto his servants, the prophets. Well, first of all, we need to go by what the prophets have already written. And of course, you know, God will work through prophets and prophetesses, but you have to use the scriptures to identify who the true ones are from the false ones, because there's many false prophetesses and prophets today. As unto a light that shines in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star rise in your hearts, knowing this first. But no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. Now, I hear so many private interpretations today of Scripture. And, and the, the Bible in basic English version states, Being conscious in the first place that no man by himself may give a special sense of the words of the prophets. That's a real good translation, and many people are doing that. Verse 21, For these words did not ever come through the impulse of men, but the prophets had them from God being moved by the Holy Spirit. Being moved by the Holy Spirit, ladies and gentlemen. 
And then in Second Peter 3, verse 1, I'm reading this in the Bible in basic English version. It says, my loved ones, this is now my second letter to you, and in, in this as in the first. I am attempting to keep your true minds awake. <laughs> verse 2. And how do you keep your true minds awake, ladies and gentlemen? So that you may keep in mind the words of the holy prophets in the past. So we have to keep in mind the words of the holy prophets in the past to keep our true minds awake. You know, we can have false minds. So we, we have to keep our minds true and keep them awake spiritually. And the law of the Lord and Savior, which was given to you by his apostles. And so... This is a significant scripture, ladies and gentlemen. This is our foundation. What's the foundation of the assembly in Ephesians 2, verse 20? It's not what some prophet that says, oh, there's going to be a flood coming to the country uh, or whatever. And, you know, the Bible incredibly says it, it could come to pass, but it still tells you if this woman is preaching false doctrine, not to follow her or, you know, not to follow her. And so so we've we got to be very careful about what we listen to, ladies and gentlemen, and what we read. So anyway, in verse 2, so that you may keep in mind the words of the holy prophets in the past and the law of the Lord and Savior, which was given to you and what we see um, by his apostles. Again, in verse 2 of Second Peter chapter 3, so that you may keep in mind the words of the holy prophets in the past and the law of the Lord and the Savior, which was given to you by his apostles. That's the entire Brit uh, Hadashah or the entire New Testament, ladies and gentlemen. Verse 3. Having first of all the knowledge that in the last days there would be men who ruled by their evil desires would make sport of holy things, saying, where is the hope of his coming? From the death of his fathers, there would be people denying his coming, and then again there would be people just saying he's getting ready to come and he's already here. And so there would be deceptions on both sides, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Let's, getting back, let's, let's get back rather to what are the qualifications of a true prophet or prophetess? Because I, I don't I don't believe people really focus on that. And that's the reason why many of them, as I speak, are deceived by whoever writes a book and say, hey, this could happen, that could happen. And, and to to their credit, they say, hey, it may not happen, but still, it, it unnecessary fear and anxiety in someone. Uh, Deuteronomy 13, verse 1, if there arise among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and that means exactly what it says. Someone who dreams, because I just read to you that how God communicates to a true prophet or prophetess through dreams and visions. All right? And so this is addressing that situation. And this is how you can use the word of God to help you determine whether or not someone is a true prophet or a prophetess. Uh, Deuteronomy 13, verse 1, If there arise among you a prophet or dreamer of dreams, and give thee a sign or a wonder. And the sign of the wonder come to pass, where have he spoken to thee? So it tells you that it can come to pass. And it's going, you know, how else can the devil deceive you by allowing something to come to pass? That's how he's going to get you in his clutches. See, so obviously he's going to have to allow a sign of wonder to come to pass to get you to be, to believe him. See, and people don't understand that. And so he says that it actually can come to pass. Let us go after other gods, other teachings, other false doctrines, which thou hast not known, and let us serve them. Verse 3, thou shalt not hearken unto the words of that prophet, even if what this individual is saying comes true. That's what it's saying. Thou shalt not hearken unto the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God proves you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. So that's, that's saying that not to even 
entertain seriously and put all your thoughts and efforts into some individual that's claiming they are a prophet teaching false doctrine. That's what it's telling you, ladies and gentlemen. That's the word of God speaking to you. Verse 4, you shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice, and you shall serve him and cleave unto him. And then in verse 5, back then anyway, that prophet, we don't do this today because we don't have an administration set up where God is ruling us directly. This is the devil's world right now. Uh, verse 5, and that prophet or dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has spoken to turn you away. Anybody that turns you away from the words of God is certainly not a true servant of God, ladies and gentlemen. All right, and, and you've got to understand that got to understand and stop succumbing to false teaching. Uh, Deuteronomy 18, verses 20 to 22. Prophet which shall presume to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or that shall speak in the name of other gods. Other gods have different beliefs. Even that prophet shall die. In verse 21, and if thou say in thy heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord has not spoken? Good question. Here's the answer, verse 22. When a prophet speaks in the name of of the Lord, if the thing follow not or not, nor come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. But the prophet has spoken presumptuously. Thou shall not be afraid of him. And see, and, that, and that's the problem. These false preachers are making people afraid of them. All right? Uh, and it's not justified. In other words, take reverence what they say and this has happened throughout the ages there's a hundred percent in the modern era today especially a hundred percent accuracy whenever someone just like Harold Camping he's dead bless his soul but uh, he was saying that in May whatever I forgot that the tribulation began or the destruction of the world or whatever and of course it didn't happen and so that's just the, the first of many false prophecies that have occurred throughout the ages. And so we have to be very careful of who we listen to, and we have to use the Word of God and what the Word of God says that identifies a true prophet or prophetess. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 28, verse 15 and 17, gives you an example of what God will do to someone who claims to be a prophet, and yet they are preaching false prophecy. Jeremiah chapter 28 Jeremiah chapter 28, verse 15 to 17. Then said the prophet Jeremiah to Hananiah, the prophet, or false prophet, Hear now, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent thee, but thou make this people to trust in a lie. And that's what false prophets do, ladies and gentlemen. They make people to trust in a untruth or a lie. Again, a false prophet's main purpose is to make people trust in a lie. A lie is something that is not true and is full of deceit. Verse 16. And just like uh, Hitler stated, um, he knew this and he used it effectively. Uh, the greater the lie, the more they'll believe it. <laughs> that's our people today. The greater the lie, the more they will believe it. You know, And that's what a, pro a false prophet does, ladies and gentlemen. It says, but thou makest this people to trust in a lie. Verse 16, therefore thus says the Lord, behold, I will cast thee from off the face of the earth. This is serious. God doesn't like people preaching false doctrine, and especially 
He doesn't like uh, false prophets saying something's going to happen, and it doesn't happen. He doesn't like that. He doesn't like when when his people are deceived. He doesn't like that at all. Verse 16, therefore, thus says the Lord. He doesn't like it when humanity is deceived. Therefore, thus says the Lord, behold, I will cast thee from off the face of the earth. This year thou shalt die, because thou hast taught rebellion. If you're teaching rebellion, you're in trouble, ladies and gentlemen. Now, he will have mercy to those who are doing it sincerely, and they don't know they're doing it. But certainly those who know what they're doing, and they're doing it, oh, my goodness, you are certainly are in danger of judgment against the Lord, ladies and gentlemen. And if, if anyone is listening to me and you are using false teachings and you know they're false just to make money, you better repent of that. If you don't repent of that, boy, the Bible says that you are in danger of dying. So anyway, verse 17. So Hananiah the prophet died the same year in the seventh month, which is interesting. The seventh month is the month of judgment. And so this is somewhat a, a, of, a, of a prophecy stating, you know, as far as the Festival of Trumpets, and then you have Yom Kippur, and, you know, during the seventh month we have the fall festivals, and that certainly represents the judgments of God, and it represents the the, the fact that God will return on this earth, and it's interesting that this false prophet died in the same year in the seventh month. It's a lot of meaning to that. So anyway, uh, and that's a warning to people that, that preach false. And see, another common trait of a false prophet, well, ladies and gentlemen, is that many of them sell their teachings. They sell their teachings. And and I know I'm going to get persecuted for this, but I don't care. Uh, people that have supported the prophet's messages are going to get persecuted anyway. And the entire Bible is a, is a message of a prophet because it's the Word of God in print. And the Word of God is the Messiah. So, And he got his words from the Father. He's a prophet, too. <laughs> so Malachi chapter 3, or not Malachi, but Micah, Micah chapter 3, I'm sorry, Micah chapter 3. This is probably a prophetic book that you don't really read too much, but it's in the Bible. He's one of the former prophets. But, boy, did they have a major message. I'm going to be going off the air here in about four minutes, but uh, I'm certainly going to continue this message. This is a very important message that I have to give. I'm hoping that this message will undeceive a lot of people and help you to understand and discern who is preaching correctly and who isn't. And, and that's the, really the purpose of this, because many people say, I I have this dream, and people assume that the dream is correct. And you're going to find out in this Bible study a lot of dreams are, are not correct, ladies and gentlemen, and you're going to learn, hopefully, how to be able to tell the difference uh, with this Bible study today. Anyway, Micah 3, verse 11. The heads there of judge for reward... And the priests thereof teach for hire. And the prophets thereof divine for money. Now let me read this in the the, uh, contemporary English version of the Bible. Micah 3 verse 11. Your leaders accept bribes for dishonest decisions. Your priests and prophets teach and preach, but only for money. Then you say, the Lord is on our side. No harm will come to us. And, and many many of these ministries believe today. I don't know some are doing it sincerely. They don't know any better. But still, uh, God is against that. And many of these ministries, they think that it's okay to, to, to preach for profit. And then in the, the Bible and basic English version states, and the prophets get silver for reading the future. 
but still supporting themselves in the Lord, they say, is not the Lord among us, no evil will overtake us. And, you know, that that's ridiculous. But I think a better translation of this is in the prophets there of divine for money, yet they will lean upon the Lord and say, is not the Lord among us. And then, then the King James Version, Micah 3, verse 11, they teach for higher wages, okay, um, for a price. I think that's the, that's the better translation for that, for a price. And it should not be a market price involved in, in any teaching, ladies and gentlemen. That is ter- solely against the Bible, and when you do that, you're not going by the Bible. And I know people can snuff, I mean, they can just sniff their nose all they want about this, but I can prove it out through the Bible. No one can disprove to me out of the Bible that, uh, and I challenge anyone to try, you know, that you, you should not be charging for your literature that you that you, uh, supposedly is supposed to be God's words. Isaiah 55, verse 1, says, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. Um, correct interpretation of that, of course, is teachings and that and that have no money. Come ye, buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. And so that's his desire. He wants us to to eat his words without having to pay for it. Now, does that discount supporting ministers? Of course not. But God showed us how we support ministers. We don't support ministers uh, by buying their DVDs and CDs we, or videos. We support ministers by giving our tithes and offerings. That has not changed. God has not changed. And that system has not changed, ladies and gentlemen. Of course, we can't do it exactly the way they did it. Um, the, our ancestors were agrarian. They, they were farmers. And it depended on the land for wealth. But today we don't do that. So whatever wealth we're getting, we have to tithe that. It's just common sense. Just like we can't go, most of us can't afford a trip to Jerusalem to celebrate the pilgrimage feasts. The pilgrimage feast, as defined in Deuteronomy 16, is the Passover, which the, the Bible interprets as being the seven days of unleavened bread. Um, the second pilgrimage feast is, well, actually you have... Um, the the Festival of Unleavened Bread, and then you have Shavuot, which is Pentecost, and then you have uh, Sukkot. And so those are the three pilgrimage feasts. Pilgrimage meaning those are the feasts that he commands everyone get together and travel a distance to to Jerusalem. But we can't do that today, so what do we do? We, We do that locally in our areas or close in our areas. We travel, and we do the best we can to keep the Torah, same thing with tithing. We can't do it exactly the way it was done back then, but we still should do it. All right, the spirit of God's Torah and instructions don't ever change, ladies and gentlemen. He says he changes not, and yet people say he does, You know, which is not a false teaching. But anyway, uh, in verse 2 is a prophecy about many of the teachings today. Wherefore, why do you spend money for that which is not bread? <laughs> that many people are doing that. They're spending money on books. And so forth. You know, I spend money on certain books, and I have to sift through them because there's error in the books. You know, and I have to sift the truth from the error. And I'm just following that scripture. Hold your place in Isaiah 55, verse 2. Because Proverbs tells us something here. Proverbs is a book of wisdom. And it states, um, I'm trying to find that scripture where it says, Buy the truth and sell it not. And, you know, that certainly is a prophecy that the Bible would be sold. But it's also a prophecy that other things would be sold as well, but you should not sell it. Proverbs 23, verse 22, buy the truth and sell it not. And this is this is a, an instruction 
you know, um, that we should not be buying and then also uh, sell what you have bought uh, as far as it being biblical truth is concerned. Uh, Matthew chapter 10, verse 8 plainly states, uh, freely you have received, freely give, freely give. And I'm going to quote something from the, uh, and this is certainly in line with what the scripture is indicating, and I only quote commentaries when they line up with the the Bible, and this is from the Jewish New Testament commentary, Matthew 10, verse 8, you have received without paying, so give without asking payment. The Talmud gives the same advice. Rav Yahuda said in the name of Rav, Scripture says, Behold, I have taught you statutes and judgments, Deuteronomy 4, verse 5, just as I teach for free, so you should teach for free. Similarly, it has been taught. The next words of this verse are, As Adonai, my God, commandeth me. This too implies, just as I teach for free, so you should teach for free. Do we deduce that it is impossible to find someone who will teach gratuitously? One must pay to learn. A verse says, By the truth, and whence do we deduce that one has to pay in order to learn should not say, since I had to pay to learn Torah, I would charge to teach it. From the same text, which adds, and do not sell it. Baccarat 29a, that is in the Talmud, ladies and gentlemen. So, yeah, it is, we have to understand that scripturally, it does, it's not supported that uh, someone should, uh, that someone should do those things. Um, I'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, so we have to understand that you know the God does not want people to put a price tag on their teachings, ladies and gentlemen. And that that is something that has been a plague of this nation for many years, and it continues to be so, ladies and gentlemen. It's, it's, it's just unfortunate that um, that people, even the Targum in this translation in, in Isaiah fifty-five verse two, says, "He that has no silver, come here and learn. Come here and learn without price and without money. Doctrine better than wine and milk." And so, you know, you know, buying books and people just totally saying, "Hey, to get this teaching, you you have to to buy this and you have to buy that," and and it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. You should not sell the truth, and that's what people are doing today, unfortunately. And so, I have to speak out against this. I don't think it's spoken out enough. And I am. In Second Corinthians 2, verse 17. 2 Corinthians 2, verse 17. And, you know, I don't care about being persecuted. All I care about is preaching the Word of God. All the people that support the prophet's messages, which the entire Bible really is a message of a prophet because it's the Word of God, and the Word of God is the Messiah himself, and the Word of God is the Messiah in print, and he gets his words from his Father. Second Corinthians 2, verse 17. And this is a prophecy because this is going on today. But we are not as many which corrupt the word of God. How do we corrupt the word of God? The word corrupt means retail. Retail in the Greek. The word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God, in the sight of God, speak we in, in, 
in Christ. I, I see even in the Hebraic Roots Movement, uh, it's just two websites. I'm not going to talk about them too much, but these are so-called, or they are considered, and they are, uh, top Torah teachers in this movement. And they both have marketplaces. You know, they, they both have marketplaces. And, you know, Yeshua was very angry. This is in John chapter 2. When the temple... Uh, was was made a house of merchandise. Uh, John 2, verse 8, and he said unto them, that so those, take these things hence and make not my father's house a house of merchandise. And yet, we have these websites saying that is a marketplace. All right, so, so it, it's just, it's a lot of false teaching and a lot of false things going on, ladies and gentlemen, uh, it's supposed to be a house of prayer, not a house of merchandise. And, of course, we are spiritually the temple, and whatever we gather together should not be about buying someone's teachings, ladies and gentlemen. It should be about uh, worshiping the true God and, 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 and getting into the Word. And, 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 sure, it's nothing wrong with giving donations or contributions or tithes and offerings to a minister. But God instructs us not to buy his teachings but to just, of your own free will, cheerfully give tithes and offerings to a ministry that's preaching the truth. That's what we need to be doing. We don't buy the literature. That's not how you do it. And I know people that, that try to justify it say, well, you can't, you can't uh, stop someone from earning something, and they use this scripture in Isaiah, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5 to try to justify this behavior. Um, or it states here, uh, verse 17, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially for they who labor in the word and the doctrine. For the scripture says, thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn. And the labor is worthy of his reward, but the Bible explains to you how they are rewarded. And they're not rewarded by selling their stuff. Paul did not put a DVD package together or a book and sell it. He didn't do that, although there were some people that were selling their stuff. But Paul didn't do that, and, and the rest of the apostles didn't do it. And they are the foundation of the assembly, not people that do this. They're not the foundation. I'm going to go by the foundation in the scriptures. So anyway, I know I'm going to be persecuted for this, but I don't care. I mean, I only care about what the Bible teaches. And so what are the qualifications of a true prophet or prophetess? Number one, they must teach correct doctrine. Their predictions must come true. They should offer their teachings for free. And so anyone that says that they're a prophet or a prophetess, you need to look at this, this criteria, ladies and gentlemen. I would say a, number, a, four, a, a very important uh, fourth criteria is that they care for the poor. Their teachings are about caring about other people. Uh, let, let me um, give you an example in Zechariah. Zechariah, chapter uh, 7. Um, Zechariah, chapter 7. And uh, Sunday will be on the Jewish calendar, um, the ninth of Av, Tishabah, and uh, it, it represents or symbolizes the destruction of the two temples. And so, at this time, there is going to be uh, some reflection on that. And so, I just thought I would mention mention that. And then the ninth of Av, 
which um, symbolically represents the destruction of the uh, the two temples. And uh, it's, it's, I just wanted to, to let you know, and uh, you should have at least at, at oh, what am I trying to say? You should at least <laughs> at least uh, recognize that day and uh, reflect on that, and and how um, the destruction of the temples, how it occurred, and why it occurred. And it's on the 25th today. Um, actually, it's today. To Bishva, yeah. Tishaba, rather, I'm sorry. I'm getting it mixed up with another one. Tishaba. Tishaba. And so this is the ninth of all today based on the Jewish calendar. And so states here on Chabad, Real quickly, give you a review. It says the three weeks is an annual mourning period that falls. It started on July 4th. It falls out in the summer. This is when we mourn the destruction of the Holy Temple and are launched into a still ongoing exile. It says the, the period begins on the 17th of the Hebrew month of Tammuz, a fast day that marks the day when the walls of Jerusalem were breached by the Romans in 69 E. And it reaches its climax and concludes with a fast on the 9th of Av the date when the holy temples were set aflame. Both holy temples were set aflame on the ninth of Av, which is very significant, ladies and gentlemen. Very significant indeed. And so this is the saddest day of the Jewish calendar and is also the date of other tragedies spanning our nation's history. And so uh, it's, it's, it's very significant, this day, the ninth of Av, ladies and gentlemen. Tishabah. All right, so I just wanted to, to point that out. And it's interesting that um, it's occurring on a, on a Shabbat. So anyway, getting back to Zechariah chapter 7. Zechariah chapter 7. Uh, and it states right here, verse 7, Should you not hear the words which the Lord has cried by the former prophets when Jerusalem was inhabited and in, in prosperity, and the cities thereof round about her when men inhabited the south of the plain? And verse 8, And the word of the Lord came unto Zechariah, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Execute true judgment. And this is, came from a prophet. This is from the book of uh, the prophet of Zechariah. Execute true judgment and show mercy and compassion to every man to his brother. So this is what the message of a true prophet and prophetess should be preaching. Not messages about, oh, when, when was something going to happen and, and so forth. But their messages should inspire you and motivate you to change and, and be a better person and to care about people and to show mercy and compassion every man to his brother. And in verse 10, and oppress not the widow, nor the fatherless, the stranger, the poor, and let none of you imagine evil against your brother in your heart. And again, as prophesied in Zechariah 7, verse 11, and in many other places in the Bible, and several other places, but they refused to hearken and pulled away their shoulder and stopped their ears that they should not hear. Yes, they made their hearts as adamant stone, they're stubborn people, we're stubborn people, that not they should hear the Torah. And the words which the Lord of hosts has sent in his spirit by the former prophets. They didn't want to hear the message of showing mercy and compassion to every man to his brother and oppressing not the widow and the fatherless and the stranger nor the poor. And let none of you imagine evil. They didn't want to hear that message. They wanted to hear smooth things because that message deceits, right? 
but they refused to hearken and pulled away the shoulder and stopped their ears that they should not hear. Verse 12, Yet they made their hearts as adam and stone that they should not hear the Torah and the words which the Lord of hosts has sent in his spirit by the former prophets. Therefore came a great wrath from the Lord of hosts. And so that's another criteria that um, they should preach. Let me type this in here. They should preach. They should preach about having mercy. Preach about having mercy to the poor. All right? And the afflicted. And that was, you know, Yochanan, or John the Baptist, the immerser, was considered the greatest man who ever lived outside of Messiah, based on the Messiah's own words. And when they asked him, what should we do to do Teshuvah or to repent, he answered and said that if you have two coats, share that other coat with someone else. Same thing with food. That was the first thing that came out of his mouth. And so all the commandments, again, uh, we keep so that it will influence us to care about other people. That's what it's really all about, ladies and gentlemen. Loving your neighbor as yourself. All the commandments are summarized in that one act. And so just because someone preaches correctly or predicts a future event does not make them a true servant, ladies and gentlemen. This is proved by Matthew 7, verse 15 and 23. Their behavior is a test because someone can preach correct doctrine all they want, but if their lives are not in order, if they're not doing what they're supposed to do, they're certainly not a true servant of God because they're a hypocrite. Matthew 7, verse 15, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Verse 16, You shall know them by their fruits or their behavior. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Verse 17, Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree brings forth evil fruit. Selling teachings is corrupt. That's why the Bible says corrupting the word of God. That's, it's wrong to do that. That's corrupt. Verse 18, a good tree, I know some are doing this, and they don't know what they're doing. And if you're listening to me, or if you know someone's doing it, and you know they would change if they understood they're doing something wrong, tell them about this. Have them listen to this Bible study. Verse 17, even so, every good tree that bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. Verse 18, a good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Verse 19, every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is honed down and cast into the fire. Whereby, wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. By their behavior, not what they say, but what they do, their lives, how they live, how they treat you. That's how you truly, truly know whether or not someone is true or not. And, of course, a lot of that is if they're preaching it and doing it. Verse 21. Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. In verse 22, many will say to me, and he says many. This word in the Greek means quite a few, quite a few people, largely, will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? So there's going to be people prophesying and saying things correct in his name. And in thy name has cast out devils. They're going to be casting out devils. And in thy name do many wonderful works. They'll be doing wonderful works too in verse 23. And and then will, will I profess unto them, I have never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And in the complete Jewish Bible version, that means 
uh, uh, violation of the law, wickedness, lawlessness. And so that is the criteria, ladies and gentlemen, to determine whether or not someone is a true preacher of God, a true prophet or prophetess, whether or not they're teaching correct doctrine. Because God will allow them to deceive people, to test us, to see whether or not we will obey the words of God or obey their words. And so that is the criteria that we always must use. Now, here is a warning, ladies and gentlemen, to those men and women who preach false doctrine. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 13 is it's pretty plain here. Well, this is going to be a long Bible study. I didn't expect this to be this long, but it's going to be. Ezekiel chapter 13. Um, I'm going to read this in the Bible in basic English version here. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, be a prophet against the prophets of Israel. Say to those prophets whose words are the inventions of their own hearts, give ear to the word of the Lord. And this is a prophecy, ladies and gentlemen. He, he must take hold heed to this because many of the prophetic books, the prophecies are dual, and, and quite a few of them haven't happened yet in its, in, in its totality. So he's saying to give ear to the word of the Lord, verse 3. This is what the Lord has said. A curse of the foolish prophets will go after their spirit which is in them and have seen nothing. There's many foolish prophets out there who go after their own spirit or mind which is in them. They have seen that. I've, I've, I've been, I was a part of this assembly, this one guy getting up saying, I dreamed this, I dreamed that, and none of his dreams came true. Not one of them. I can't recall any of them coming true. And he used that as a tool to try to get people to believe and follow him. And it was ridiculous. Verse 4, O Israel, your prophets have been like jackals in the waste places. Verse 5, you have not gone up into broken places or made up the wall for the children of Israel to take your place in the fight of the day of the Lord. Verse 6, they have seen visions without substance and made use of secret arts who say the Lord has said and the Lord has not sent them, hoping that the word would have effect or would be confirmed. And that's what many people are doing today. They're preaching and, and just hoping that what they say comes to pass. And then when it doesn't, they're made to look stupid. Verse 7, have you not seen a vision without substance, and have you not falsely made use of secret arts when you say the Lord has said, though I have said nothing? Verse 8, so this is what the Lord has said, because your words are without substance and your visions are false, see I am against you, says the Lord. So he's against anyone that is preaching false doctrine and false visions and false dreams. Verse 9, and my hand will be against the prophets who see visions, without substance, and who make false use of secret arts. They will not be in the secret of my people, and they will not be recorded in the list of the children of Israel. And this is serious. You won't be a part of the, of Israel. And they will not come into the land of Israel, and it will be clear to you that I am the Lord. Because even when they have been guiding my people into the air, saying peace, when there is no peace, and in the building of a division wall, they put whitewash on it, Verse 11, say to those who put whitewash on it, there will be an overflowing shower and you ice drops will come raining down and will be broken into by a storm wind. And when the wall has come down, will they not say to you, where is the whitewash which you put on it? For this reason, the Lord has said, I will have broken it in two by a storm wind in my passion. And there will be an overflowing shower in my wrath and you, O ice drops, will come raining angrily down. So I will let the wall which... You are covering with whitewash be broken down. I will have it leveled to the earth so that its base is uncovered. Come down and destruction will come on you with it and it will be clear to you that I am the Lord. Verse 15, so I will let loose my passion 
in full measure. And on those who put whitewash on it, and I will say to you, where is the wall and where are those who put whitewash on it? And so verse 16, even the prophets of Israel who say words to Jerusalem, who see visions of peace for her when there is no peace, says the Lord. Verse 17, and you, son of man, let your face be turned against the daughters of your people. These are the women. And so this is a prophecy of give, against false prophetess who are acting the part of prophets at their pleasure. Be a prophet against them and say, this is what the Lord has said. A curse is on the women who are stitching bands on all their arms and putting veils in their heads of, of those of every side so that they may go after souls. Will you go after the souls of my people and keep your, yourselves safe from death? That's an interesting statement there. Verse 19, and you have put me to shame among my people for a little barley and some bits of bread, sending death on souls for whom there is no cause of them, keeping those souls living who have no right to life by the false words you say to my people who give ear to what is false. Verse 20, for this cause the Lord has said, see, I am against your bands which you go after souls, and I will violently take them off their arms, and I will let loose the souls, even the souls whom you go after freely. And I will have your veils violently parted in two, and will make my people free from your hands, and they will no longer be in your power for you to go after them. So this is a prophecy about women preaching false doctrine and controlling the people because of it. And you will be certain that I am the Lord. Verse 22, because your false words, you have given pain to the heart of the upright man when I have not made him sad, in order to make strong the hands of the evildoer so that he may not be turned from his evil way and get life. So, Again, women preaching can be so powerful to get people off track. I'm not saying all women preachers are wrong, but this is recorded in the Bible for a reason, ladies and gentlemen. We have to learn how to identify a false prophetess from a true. Verse 23, for this cause you will see no more foolish visions or make false use of secret arts, and I will make my people free from your power. And so women can have power to deceive, ladies and gentlemen. That's why... One of the flaws of the assemblies in the Bible, in the book of Revelation, talks about Jezebel being a false prophet. For this cause, you will see no more foolish visions or make false use of secret arts, and I will make my people free from your power, and you will be certain that I am the Lord. And so, ladies and gentlemen, we have to pay attention to these strong words from the Bible. And this is from the Bible. I'm not making any of this up. Jeremiah chapter 23. Jeremiah chapter 23. Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 25 states the following. My ears have been opened to what the prophets have said, who say false words in my name, saying, I have had a dream, I have had a dream, I have had a dream. Now, this is not knocking uh, Martin Luther King, okay? But obviously, you know, he had a, a dream of him dying, and he died. So I'm not saying all dreams are false. But, again... You can be a false preacher and yet dream things that come to pass. I've read that to you. The main thing is whether or not that person is preaching correct doctrine. That's how you'll be able to tell the difference. Uh, Matthew 22, verse 20. My ears have been open to, you know, difference of whether or not you should follow them and depend on them for the words of God. This is not saying that you, you get a book and there's some truth in it and you and you read the truth and you throw out the chicken bones. That, that, that's false. That's different. But this is talking about t depending on this person. Uh, thinking this person is a true preacher when they're not. You shouldn't be doing that. Verse 23, verse 25. My, Jeremiah 23, verse 25. My ears have been open to what the prophets have said who say false words in my name, saying, I've had a dream, I've had a dream, I've had a dream. 
Verse 26, is not my word in the hearts of the prophets who give out, is my word in the hearts of the prophets who give out false words. So he's telling you that his word is not in the minds of the prophets who give out false words. Again, God says that his word, his true words, all of his true words, are not in the hearts of the prophets who give out false words. Even the prophets of the deceit of their hearts. And so these prophets deceive themselves. In verse 27, whose purpose is to take away the memory of my name from the, my people by their dreams, of which every man is talking to his neighbor as their fathers gave up the memory of my name for Baal. Now, verse 25, 28 says, if a prophet has a dream, let him give out his dream and continue on. And he who has my word, let him give out my word in good faith, in the truth. So if there is a true prophet, his dream is going to be based on God's words, his true words. Verse 29, is not my word like fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer smashing the rock to bits? This is the reason why most people don't want to hear the true words of God, because it, it is going to change them. And what did uh, the greatest prophet of all time say, Yeshua Messiah? Repent, for the kingdom of, uh, the kingdom of God is at hand. Teshuvah in Hebrew, change, turn around. People don't want to hear that message. They want to stay the same. Verse 30, for this cause I am against the prophet, says the Lord, who take my words, every one from his neighbor. See, I'm against the prophet, says the Lord, who let their tongue say he has said. Verse 32, see, I'm against the prophets of false dreams, says the Lord, who give them out and make my people to go out of the way by their deceit and uncontrolled words. But I did not send them or give them orders, and they will be of no profit to this people. Again, false prophets are of no profit to the people. So why should you listen to false prophets, false teachings? And many people are doing that today. And they're being deceived grievously because of it. Proverbs 29, verse 8 to 9. No, no I'm sorry, 28, verse 8 to 9. It states plainly, The prophets who were before me and before you from early times gave word to a number of countries, and great kingdoms about war. Oops, uh, Jeremiah 29, verse 8 to 9. I'm sorry, 29, verse 8 to 9. States plainly, For this is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel, has said. Do not let yourselves be tricked by the prophets who are among you, and the readers of Sinai give no attention to their dreams which they may have. For they are saying to you what is false in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. And this is in the context of uh, Babylon um, coming over and taking over uh, Jerusalem, but it still is a prophecy, and it's still God's words telling you not not to to pay attention to supposed dreams that false prophets has when when it's combined with false doctrine. So we need to not pay attention. I mean, you can hear it, but don't go to the bank with it. Don't depend on it. This depend on the Word of God more. Or you should be depending totally on the word of God. Zechariah 10, verse 2. For the images have has said what is not true, and the readers of signs have, have seen deceit. They have given accounts of false dreams. They give comfort to no purpose, so they go out of the way like sheep. They are troubled because they have no keeper. And so this is what happens when, when false prophecy and teachings is prevalent in a nation or in a community. An assembly, people are afraid unnecessarily. They're 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 hyped up and and their whole focus is, 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 is about saving their lives. And, and, and they lack courage. And, and, that's, and that's what false teaching does to people. 
And so this leads into another thing. Before before I do that, I want to read also what the Bible says about dreams as a whole, having many dreams. Uh, Ecclesiastes 5, verse 7, reveals the following. In the, the Bible and basic English versions, it's because much talk comes from dreams and things of no purpose. But let the fear of God be in you. Uh, in the Amplified Version, it says, For in a multitude of dreams there is futility and worthlessness and ruin and a flood of words. But reverently fear God, revere and worship him knowing what he is. So we, we need to stop fearing dreams and we need to fear what God reveals to us through his words. Complete Jewish Bible version, it says, For this is what happens when there are too many dreams, aimless activities and words. Instead, just fear God. And how do we fear God, ladies and gentlemen? How does the Bible tell us to fear God? It tells us to fear God by hating evil and the false ways. In Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13, it states the following. The fear of Adonai is hatred of evil. I hate pride and arrogance, which people that don't want to hear the word of God, they have a, a ton of pride in them. Evil ways and speech that doesn't make sense. And let me um, read this in another version here. Uh, Proverbs 8, verse 13, The fear of the Lord is seen in hating evil, pride, a high opinion of oneself. The evil way and the false tongue are unpleasing to me. And so, ladies and gentlemen, we have to learn how to properly fear him. And God doesn't want you fearing him. Like, oh, he's going to, oh, ah, ah. You know, God does not give us that kind of spirit, ladies and gentlemen, of panic. Second Timothy, that's from the devil. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, plainly reveals, For God did not give us a spirit of fear. Fear, it means being timid. It means being timid. It means uh, showing a lack of courage, easily frightened. And First John 4, verse 18. Let's turn it. First John 4, verse 18. It says, There is no fear in love. There is no timidness or lack of courage in love. True love has no room for fear. Because where fear is, there is pain. And he who is not free from fear is not complete in love. And so that, that that's important to understand, ladies and gentlemen, uh, in the context of what I'm talking about. So it says, for perfect love casts about fear. And I'm going to read this commentary from Gill. It says, when love to the brethren appears to be perfect, that is genuine and sincere, and a man knows that from the bottom of his heart he sincerely loves the saints, he concludes from his, as he made a truth of his faith, which works in this way, and is frees him from the fears of men and devils and of, of the future judgment and wrath to come. And so that's important to understand this. And then also I'm going to read the commentary here from, from John Gill, who was a Hebrew scholar. He says in, in 1 John 4, verse uh, 18, and the love of the brethren, where that, that is, there is no fear. So far as that prevails and gains ground, fear removes not the, the fear of God, the new covenant grace of fear, or the renewed covenant, which is the beginning of wisdom and is consistent with faith, hope, love, and spiritual joy, but either the fear of men, which brings a snare. Those that truly love Messiah, his gospel, and his people, they are not afraid of men. The spirit of power, love, and a sound mind is opposite to a, fear, a spirit of fear, nor can they stand together. In such strength there is sometimes in brotherly love that the saints are not afraid of death itself. And so we shouldn't be afraid to die, but freely lay down their lives for one another. And First John 3, verse 16 states, In this we see what love is, because he gave his life for us, and it is right for us to give our lives for the brother. For it may be rather that they are not afraid of the day of judgment, 
and of hell and damnation, where hatred of the brethren has place. There is a fear and a dread of these things, as it were, in Cain, but those that love the brethren, they know that they are passed from death to life and shall not enter into condemnation and therefore are in no fear of any of these things. And so when someone is telling you dreams or you think you received a dream and it puts that kind of fear in you, that is not of God, ladies and gentlemen. That is of the devil. Because, again, what does the Scripture say? There is no fear in love, being timid, lacking courage. True love has no room for fear. Because where fear is, there is pain. And he who is not free from fear is not complete in love. Of course, there's going to be pain and suffering in this walk, but this is talking about pain from the wrong source. Pain because you don't want to believe. Pain because you're not being courageous. That's what it's talking about. In First John 4, verse 18, in the King James Version, it said, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear has torment. God does not want to torment you, ladies and gentlemen. His fear doesn't involve torment. And that's the proper understanding of that Greek word. When it, yeah, it means torment, infliction. Okay, he doesn't want you unnecessary punishment because you don't want to believe his words, and you're being and you're being paranoid. And fear in this context means to be alarmed or frightened in terror. He doesn't want you to be in terror. God doesn't want you to be in terror of him in that way, based on false premises. In 1 Peter 3, verse 6, in the Amplified Version, it states plainly, and this is certainly a message for women. Men can be like this, too. But women certainly can be like this. It was thus that Sarah obeyed Abraham, so she obeyed her husband, following his guidance and acknowledging his headship over her by calling him master, leader, or authority, or or Lord. And this is something that many women, if you think you are a, a true believer, do you respect your husband this way? Do you really respect your husband this way? And you are now her true daughters if you do right and let nothing terrify you, not giving way to hysterical fears or letting anxieties unnerve you, okay? And so you're not a, a true daughter of uh, of Sarah if you let dreams and let people you know, uh, convince you that you should be terrified and make irrational decisions based on the, those messages. That's, that's against the commandments of God to, to, to allow yourself to be hysterical and you let anxieties unnerve you to the point where you affect other people. That's not of God, ladies and gentlemen, because love, true love, does, does ill to no one. All right, so we've got to talk about courage here. We, we must have courage because the Spirit of God certainly is the spirit of having courage, knowing that you're going to go through pain and affliction. However, you still do it because you have faith and confidence that God will not allow you to go through what you cannot endure. And that is based on 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. It says, there is no temptation that adversity or trial taking you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above what you are able. Now, do you believe that? This is what God's word says. But will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it? All right, this is what God's word says. Now, the question is, do you believe it? I believe it. I believe it. The question is, do you believe it? Joshua chapter 1, verse 9 states plainly here. It says, Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid. In other words, don't be hysterical. Don't be fanatical about things that you hear 
or dreams that, that you dream of. Neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee wherever you go. Do you believe that? Do you believe that if you obey him, that God will be with you wherever you go? He will be wherever you go, ladies and gentlemen. And so he told Joshua, because he, he needed to have courage, because they went over and wiped out people, the Canaanites. And so he was telling him this so that he can be courageous and have his spirit. Verse 7. Only be thou strong and very... This is for women, too. Women have to be courageous, too. That thou mayest observe to do according to all the Torah, which Moshe, my servant, commanded thee, turn not from it the right hand or the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. And so, again, the Spirit of God is not a spirit of fear, but it's a spirit of courage. Uh, Psalm 27, verse 1 to 2. Psalm 27, verse 1 to 2. It says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? You shouldn't be fearing anyone. The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Verse 2, when the wicked, my enemies and my foes, come upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Through war should arise against me. In this will I be confident. Okay, one thing have I desired of the Lord that that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Verse five, for in the time of trouble, what would he say in a time of trouble? In a time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. Do you believe that, ladies and gentlemen, in the time of trouble, he promises that he will hide you in his tabernacle. And the secret of his, of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. Mountains? He's going to do that. And so that means he is going to be responsible for your protection. We do all we can, but ultimately, just like in the examples of the days of Noah and Lot, because he said these end times will be similar to that, he is going to be ultimately responsible for helping us and protecting us if we are worthy to escape all these things, according to Luke chapter 21, verse 36. In verse 6, And now shall my head be lifted up above my enemies around about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. Okay? And so you have to understand that God is going to be with you. In verse 14 states, and this is a beautiful psalm to study and read, especially for those who get paranoid about every little thing that so-called prophets, prophets tell you. It says in verse 14, wait on the Lord, be of good courage. He shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. You have to wait and be patient. Yeshua stated, watch and pray. That involves patience when you're watching. And when you're not patient, Bad things happen to you. And James 1 verse 4 says, let patience have its perfect work so you won't lack anything. This includes the Holy Spirit. I hope that this Bible study is getting to you, that you're understanding that you, you have to stop being paranoid about. Psalm chapter 91. Psalm chapter 91. Verse 1, he that dwells in the secret place, and it's a secret place, of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Verse 2, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. In other words, he is my place of safety. In him will I trust. 
Verse 3, surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. Do you believe these words? I believe in verse 4. He shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings thou shalt trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror. He doesn't want you being afraid of the terror by night, nor by the arrow that flies by day, for the pestilence that walks in the darkness for the destruction of wasting by no- at noonday. All right, and hold your place here. He talks about these things in Matthew chapter 24. And, and, and this is a companion scripture to tell us not to be afraid of these things. And if you are afraid of these things, you have the spirit of fear, not the spirit of God, because he commands you not to be afraid of these things. Matthew 24, verse 4. And you should answer the sentence, and take heed that no man deceive you. That's the first thing that came out of his mouth uh, when he, they asked him, what shall be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? One of the, the greatest signs is deception. Verse 5, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am the Messiah, and shall deceive not a few, many. And verse 6, and you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled or in fear. He doesn't want you to be in fear, to be frightened. For all these things must come to pass, but the end of not yet. And then also he doesn't want you to be frightened of the following either. Verse 7, for nations shall rise against nation, or families against families. Uh, there will be family squabbles and problems and, and people problems and so forth. And kingdom against kingdom, because that word nation means tribe. And there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in various places. But what does he say? He states here, the word of God states in Psalm, that you should not be afraid of these things. In verse 4 of Psalm 91, He shall cover thee with the feathers, and under his wings shall thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Verse 5, You shall not be afraid of the terror by night. For the arrow that flies by day, for the pestilence that walk in the darkness, for the destruction, waste of a new day. And if you are afraid of these things, you do not have the spirit of God like you should. You have the spirit of fear, which is of the devil. Verse 7, a thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come near thee. Verse 8, only with thy eyes shall thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. And so we're going to have an invisible force field around us, ladies and gentlemen. That's what the Bible says. Do you believe that? I do. Verse 9, because thou hast made the Lord, which is thy refuge, even the most high thy habitation. How do you do that? By obeying him. Verse 10, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come near thy dwelling. I believe this. Do you? That's why the master stated in Luke 18, verse 8, when the Son of Man comes, shall there be faith on the earth, because many of his believers don't believe what I'm telling you. That's why they get paranoid when they hear the latest prophecy teaching, because they don't believe these words. Verse 11, instead they want to believe lies. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. That is the invisible force field, his angels. Verse 12, they shall bear thee up in their hands, that not thou dash thy foot against a stone. This is in the time of trouble. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Because he has, why? Because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. Because he's obeying his commandments. I will set him on high because he has known my name. That's how you are worthy to escape all these things, by believing all the words of God and obeying the words of God to the best of your ability. That's how you will be worthy to escape all these things. That will come upon the earth. Verse 15. He shall call upon me. I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. That's the context of this psalm. I will deliver him and honor him. 
Verse 16, with long life will I satisfy him and show him my Yeshua or salvation. Ladies and gentlemen, Yeshua is Hebrew for Jesus. That's what salvation means in Hebrew, Yeshua, the Messiah. And so I believe these words, ladies and gentlemen, do you. Now, another thing you need to understand, we all are going to die, all have to die. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 22 plainly states that. And so for us to be thinking that none of us are going to die is, is, is ridiculous. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 22, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Now, of course, there's going to be a fortunate group of people that their death is going to be like a twinkling of an eye. Okay? But we all are going to die. And so we can't run away from that, ladies and gentlemen. And people are trying to run away from that. They think that, oh, God is going to preserve. Look, the Messiah had a brutal death. What makes us any different? We have to take up our cross like he did. First Corinthians 15, verse 51. It says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We should not all sleep, but we should all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Now, I know some people, I would love to be in this situation too. But still, your something has to die. Your physical body will terminate. But this is the best kind of death that you can have, right? I mean, it's instantaneous. Okay? And so, but still, the point I'm making is that your physical life, your corruptible, corruptible must put on incorruption. To put it on, then the corruptible has to be destroyed. It must be destroyed. And so you will die, but the die will be the death will be instantaneous. Instantaneous. All right. So it's kinda like you're not dying. And that's the kind of death that of course any reasonable person would like to have, right? <laughs> so I just wanted to point that we all our physical corrupted body has to be eliminated. And that is a death. All right. So anyway. And we, we will all suffer in this world. We all have to, that's another thing, that we all have to suffer. And people, they don't seem to understand that this walk is about suffering, ladies and gentlemen. It's certainly about suffering. And and, and we, we have to understand that. Acts chapter 14, verse 22, states plainly. Confirming the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, and faith is the evidence of things not seen, and that we must, through much tribulation, uh, anguish, persecution, enter into the kingdom of God. All right? And that's something that you, you have to in, inculcate into your being and accept. If not, you're going to have some serious issues. Romans 8, verse 16 to 18. Romans 8, verse 16 to 18. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with the Messiah. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified. So you have to suffer with the Messiah, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, if you don't want to experience pain because of suffering, uh, and that suffering has a lot to do with obeying his commandments, then you're not going to be glorified with him. Verse 18, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that should be revealed in us. And so if you're not willing to do that, you're wasting your time. You're not a true believer if you're not willing to suffer like he did. Uh, Matthew 10, verse 38, he says, And he that takes not his cross 
and follow not and follow after me is not worthy of me. And in verse 39, he says, he that finds his life shall lose it. So if you're going to deny the Messiah just to save your life, then you're going to lose it. And he says, and he that loses life for my sake shall find it. And here's another thing. You know, we, we have to not love our lives until the death, ladies and gentlemen. Um, that's one of the criteria um, of a true believer. Revelation 12, verse 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the Messiah and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. So we must be willing to sacrifice our lives if necessary, ladies and gentlemen. That requires a spirit of courage, not the spirit of fear. Those who will not accept the mark of the beast will have the spirit of courage, not the spirit of fear. And those who do accept the mark of the beast will have the spirit of fear. In them. Matthew 24, verse 13. Matthew 24, verse 13. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And, and that word, and that Greek word means undergo uh, and persevere. We have to persevere and bear the trials and undergo, which he has promised not to give what we can't handle. Ultimately, our spiritual life is more important than our physical life. And this is in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 to 34. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 to 34 plainly reveals the following. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Verse 26, Behold, the fowls of the air for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you much better than they? In verse 27, which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? Verse 28, and why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon, on all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Verse 30, Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? So, again, our people have a faith problem. They don't want to believe God's words. Instead, they want to believe false teaching. They want to get their ears tickled and so forth. And when you do that, then you start to have this unnecessary torment fear that God does not want you to have. Verse 31, therefore take no thought, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or whether shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But what must we do? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now, I'm going to read this in a different version so that you'll understand. Uh, several, uh, a few different versions. It states plainly, so do not worry or be anxious about tomorrow. So it's a sin to be this way, ladies and gentlemen, for tomorrow will have worries and anxieties of his own. Sufficient for each day is his own trouble. You know, and, and we shouldn't be this. And the contemporary English version Bible says, don't worry about tomorrow. It will take care of itself. You have enough to worry about today. Worrying is a sin. Worrying means you don't have the spirit of God like you should. So, 
And the, uh, a Yiddish adaption of the Hebrew word zarat, troubles, it says, he says this, don't worry about tomorrow. Who knows what will befall you today? This could be an instance of New Testament material purged of its origin, resurfacing in the Jewish context. Yeshua may in this verse be quoting a proverb already current in Jewish culture of his own time, but still, the point of the matter is that we shouldn't be worked up and, and excited in a tormented way. And then uh, the Clark commentary, Adam Clark states this about this verse. Sufficient for each day is his own calamity. Each day has its peculiar trials. We should meet them with confidence in God. We should meet them in confidence with God. As we should live but a day at a time, so we should take care to suffer no more evils in one day that are necessarily attached to it. He who neglects the present for the future is acting opposite in the, to the order of God, his own interest into every dictate of sound wisdom. So let me repeat this. He who neglects the present for the future is acting opposite to the order of God, his own interest into every dictate of sound wisdom. Let us live for eternity, and we shall secure all that is valuable in time. So, you know, that that's that's a lesson that people that get paranoid by every wind of doctrine that is heard out there, which our people have a habit of doing. Ephesians 4, verse 11 states plainly, chose teachers like myself and others. So in verse 12, so that people would learn to serve his body and would grow strong. So they can stop acting by like children. Verse 14, we must stop acting like children. Ephesians 4, verse 14, we must not let deceitful people trick us by their false teachings, which are like winds that toss us around from place to place. Love should always make us tell the truth. Then we will grow in every way and be more like the Messiah. That's his Ephesians uh, 4, verse uh, 14 to 15. And that's the reason why he's raised teachers like this to teach us the truth. I wanted them. I would be lying to say otherwise. And people today, that, you know, the Internet, one of the negative things about it, people, they get one teaching after the next over the Internet, and they all assume because it looks pretty, it looks cute. That is true. And they don't understand that you have to test these teachings. You have to test my teachings. You have to test everyone's teachings to make sure they're in line with the Word of God. And people are more inclined to, to believe something if they see it than if they not see it. And God, again, states that this walk, this way of life is by not by sight. It's not by sight. And so I'm just stating the facts, ladies and gentlemen. It's up to you to believe it. Matthew 24, verse 3 to 22 is very plain about when the start of the tribulation will begin, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go over this again. Matthew 24, verse 3. Later, as Yeshua was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him in private and asked, When will this happen? What will be the sign of your coming into the world? In verse 4, Yeshua answered, Don't let anyone fool you. I'm reading this in the contemporary English version. I'm trying to be as clear as I can with this. Verse 5, Many will come and claim to be me. They will say that they are Messiah. They will fool many people. Verse 6, You will soon hear about wars and threats of wars, but don't be afraid. These things will have to happen first, but that isn't the end. Nations and kingdoms will go to war against each other. People will starve to death. And in some places, there will be earthquakes. But this is just the beginning of troubles. So the great trouble won't occur yet. There will be wars. There will be devastation. Yes, there will be. But the time to flee has not occurred yet, ladies and gentlemen. 
He tells you when to flee. I'm going to show you this. Verse 9. You will be arrested, punished, and even killed. Because of me, you will be hated by all people for all nations. Many will give up and will betray and hate each other. So some of us are going to have to die, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, all the apostles died with the uh, got murdered except uh, uh, John. That's, that's a tradition. And most of the prophets were, were murdered. Okay, so... Uh,